Hello, hello. This is Ashley Paragoy. I am coming in at you on episode number three, and this is all about the nine pillars of marketing to include in 2020. Some of these you may already be familiar with, some of them you're probably already using, and for those of you that are using them, you are probably still going to find a lot of value in this, as well as discovering other new options to incorporate going into the new year. So I think that it's important to also recognize that your marketing strategy will never ever stay the same. Things are always going to be evolving and changing and being open to that pivot and shift is key to this business success, especially when it comes to growth in your business and the marketing strategy in general. So I'm going to break it down to you in a very simple and well, hopefully simple way so that you can understand. Grab your notebook, assuming you're not driving, and take some notes as we go over all of the different things that we can incorporate throughout this way. Okay, so number one, content marketing. Now, when I say content marketing, what do I mean? And what's the value of it? Well, to put it simply, content is anything that you can create on your own organically to generate leads, to get in front of your audience, your target audience, and attract them. It's basically, in essence, attraction marketing, but it's through content creation. (laughs) And if I'm getting way over your head here, it's okay. So basically, what I'm saying is if you want to create a blog, for instance, if you have a blog post and you're doing that blog post, that's content. Me doing this podcast is content. Going Facebook Live, That's content as well. So anything that you're creating and then putting out there for your audience to see is content. Assuming that you are the expert and you're coming to them as the expert and supplying them with a resource. So that being said, you know, choosing your source of content, you should have a key piece of content every single week or as much as possible. Sometimes people do it every day. If you're not in the habit of doing it, just start doing it. Make a list of some of the top things you could chat about. And then what happens is that this magical kind of thing happens because you could literally come up with a you know broader topic like mine, for instance. And this podcast is the nine pillars of marketing to include in 2020. I'm going to take this podcast and I'm going to break it out into all of all kinds of other things of content that will get in front of you guys. So what I mean by this is I could literally take this podcast, which I will do, so you'll see this happening, and if you're watching this several weeks from now, if you go online, you can even look back at all the different places I put the same content, but I can turn this one podcast into a blog and into social posts, several of them, and into a Facebook group live and into a Pinterest, and the list goes on. So I'm going to break this down for you in a very simple form because this is where you're going to be starting. Coming up with that key piece of content at the beginning of every week, or even if you want to plan out months in advance, whatever kind of floats your boat is is kind of whatever works for you. If you have a VA or have somebody that works for you as well, you could be focusing on coming up with the content and then passing it along to them so that they can create it in different formats for you. So coming up with the content, you want to think about, you know, what are the trends? What are people looking for that that resonate most with your ideal audience? 
So for example, if you are a fitness instructor, maybe you want to do a post about um, some some new, um, I don't know, new fitness attire or new, um, you know, workout routine that you're going to be implementing. Or maybe you're going to share some advice on how to make time to get in a workout when you're a busy mom or busy entrepreneur. So those are the types of things that I mean by content. So coming up with a long form of content that you can dissect into several different pieces. Again, if you want some more insight on this, you can absolutely ask me and send an email to ashley at marketingcoachforme.com. Number two, though, because this that content piece is going to take us to the next several places. So number two is Facebook stories and Instagram stories. I put them in the same category because Facebook and Instagram are owned by the same company. So when it comes to stories, what are they and why are they important? Well, they're important because they're important to the algorithm. And they're ranking higher on the algorithm as of today. This is October of 2019, by the way. So if you're listening to this five years from now, then it might not be as relevant. But for now, it is. So I'm going to keep going. So a Facebook and Instagram story can get in front of your audience, for those, of, especially for those who don't go beyond the stories. There are several people, even in my little circle of friends, that that just look at the stories. That's kind of where they go through instead of going through their whole entire timeline. They focus in on the stories. They enjoy that interaction. They enjoy the quirkiness of it and and how short it is and how much, really how much content they can get from just watching a little story. So within stories, you can post little short videos, you can do images, you can ask questions, you can run polls, um, kind of the list goes on. So I encourage you to check out Instagram stories on Facebook and Instagram and kind of like if you're not sure how to do it, my best advice is to just do it because you're not going to know how to do any of the things that I'm going to share with you until you do it. So don't be afraid. You're not going to hurt it. You're not going to break anything. I promise. Okay, so number three is Facebook groups. If you have a Facebook group currently, great. I hope you're using it to your advantage. Right now, again, I stress October 2019, they are ranking much higher than Facebook pages on an organic level. You can use Facebook groups to really engage and kind of dissect more and more into your niche market. It's a place for people to feel like they're in a private space. You can go Facebook Live and not have to kind of wonder like, Who's watching? Are they your ideal market? Who are you reaching? Because everybody in your Facebook group, assuming that you have it as private, um, because you can have it open as well, but assuming you have it as private, you kind of know who's in there. And if you do have an open Facebook group, that's totally fine too, but just kind of still monitor who's in there and you want to be careful and mindful of um, you know any spammer posts or anything like that because what you don't want to do is kind of send off the impression to your Facebook group that you're just going to like willy-nilly it and let anybody do whatever they want in there. So you want to kind of keep some control within your Facebook group as to what content is being shared, what you're chatting about, and keep super focused on that as well. When it comes to naming your Facebook group, I don't want you to feel like you have to name it, you know, identical to what your business is. You should, in actuality, have it named something that's even a little bit different and will basically tell somebody why they would want to join your group. For instance, 
I'm Ashley Paragoy. My website is ashleyparagoy.com. I have an online coaching platform and marketing courses um, that's called Fembizology. But my Facebook group has been, in essence, around for almost a year, and it's called Startup to Stardom. Just like this, this is Startup to Stardom and beyond. So it's the same thing. I wanted to keep that on the same level just because I want to be able for my audience on Facebook group to be also able to find me on the podcast just simply by typing in Startup to Stardom and beyond because that's really also kind of my niche. I love working with women who are just starting off or just trying to scale. So it totally worked for me to keep it the same. Um, Now, going on to, well, actually, let me back up. Sorry. Facebook groups, what can you do in them? Well, you're going to do want to do Facebook Lives. You can run polls. You can do social posts. Pretty much the same thing that you might have already been doing in your Facebook page, but you're going to get a much greater reach and maybe even show up organically for people to join your group. And you can fill your group by inviting people, by inviting them through your email sequence, or you can also use the group to actually gain some emails as well. You do this by just simply asking for their email address upon entry into the group. Now, one little tip there, though, if you're going to do that, definitely make sure you're copying and pasting that email address directly into either your CRM or an Excel sheet or your email marketing platform, because at this moment, there isn't a way for Facebook, well, Facebook probably absolutely does save it somewhere, but there's not a way for you to go back and pull up that information again that came from that member unless you were to, of course, um, message them directly and ask them. But in essence, just try to grab that email address if you are asking for it upon entry into your group and knowing also that you can't require it fully, um, but you can absolutely ask for it and offer them something in exchange for it. You know, hey, I'm going to send you, you know, my latest freebie, or I'm going to send you a a personal welcome message or kind of whatever you want to throw out there as your, um, as your, as a benefit to your, your new members. Okay. Number four is podcasts. So podcast, I was Googling it, (laughs) and the first podcast, according to Google, um, came out in 2004. So in 2004, I was 22, and I can't really say that I was listening to podcasts. I probably didn't even really start really listening to podcasts quite a bit um, until over the last couple of years. So that being said, I definitely can see how podcasts are becoming more and more prominent. I see every day where more and more people are creating podcasts. It's kind of like the YouTube of, you know, this audio version. And when I was listening to actually another podcast, um, probably in the last month or so, um, it was it came to my attention that there's still so, so much room for growth in podcasts because the comparison between the number of YouTube channels and the number of podcasts are very, very, you know, broad range. So 
granny youtube has um you know been popular for a little bit longer than the podcast um and also the fact that podcasts are so much easier now to create um there's all kinds of online softwares and platforms and stuff that you can absolutely use that are either free or really inexpensive that it makes it kind of a no-brainer for somebody to create their own podcast so if you have one great put it out there, publish it in more places. Um, If you do not have one um, and you're feeling like inclined that you could start one, definitely go for it. If you're not really thinking that a podcast is something you can take on right now, that's totally okay too. What you can do in exchange of that is start to reach out to other podcast hosts and ask them, hey, um, if you're ever looking for a guest speaker on, you know, X, Y, and Z topic, I would love the opportunity to chat with you to see if it would be a good fit. Now, before reaching out to these podcast hosts, though, what I do also suggest, of course, is to actually listen to some of those podcasts that they've done in the past and also make sure that they are open to guests because sometimes um, a podcast doesn't have a guest. They just talk by themselves and maybe that's what they prefer. So you definitely want to approach it and, you know, ask them if they do that or even listen to other podcasts that, you know, where they've interviewed somebody else and making sure that what you are going to show up for and speak about is relevant to their audience. Um, So definitely have that pitch ready and have some other podcasts that you might want to refer back to when reaching out to these people saying something like, hey, I was listening to um, the podcast that you did with such and such and that was so great. Um, I feel like I could bring some more value and more added value um, to that topic and here's what I have. So making sure you're, you're ready and kind of prepped for some good positive motion um, when it comes to possibly getting on some podcasts. Okay, number seven is LinkedIn. So LinkedIn is definitely not new, although it has kind of shifted over the last year or two. Um, And I do, again, see more and more people getting onto this platform or asking and having a lot of curiosity about it. I have been on platform on the platform of LinkedIn um, since I for forever since I can, you know, remember. Um, And I can't honestly like pinpoint an exact day when I joined it, but I do know that I have a lot of connections on there and I've been using it just like it should be from day one. So how I use it is I connect with other business owners and um, network with them and bounce ideas off of them. And also it's a way for you to generate leads just through connection. So I want to encourage you that if you're not on LinkedIn to definitely get on. Now, if you're not on there and you're just not really sure what to use it for or how to use it, again, just start. Go on there. And if you don't have a profile yet, I encourage you to create a profile, number one, add a smiling face, you know, something friendly, um, and then... In the platform, you will see the ability to also customize your cover photo on your profile. Um, And so making that kind of on brand and having that kind of speak to your ideal audience. And then filling out as much information as you can in your profile about yourself, your experiences, your skills. All of that stuff helps you 
All right, and helps vet, you know, who you are and what your objective is on LinkedIn. Um, another thing you want to keep in mind is that on LinkedIn, there's this ability to create what's called articles. And articles are free. You can basically take maybe an, a blog post that you've done recently and post it as an article on LinkedIn. What this does is it can get you in front of more and more people that are searching for those specific topics or or usually reading those types types of topics, and it's absolutely free. So organically, it's a must. So definitely check out the, the um, platform and see if that is a good fit for you. Um, typically, most businesses can always find a good fit on LinkedIn. It doesn't always have to be B2B because your customer could absolutely be another business owner. So think about that when you're on the platform and starting to make these connections. It's a great, great way um, to build rapport and to reach those people that maybe you're not finding other social media platforms. Um, Number six, is Pinterest. So for those of you that are on Pinterest, you already know the drill, but it is so much more than just recipes and decorating ideas. You can use Pinterest to put out your blog um, that's going to get people maybe even into your email list. So for this For example, I'm going to create this podcast into a Pinterest graphic that will say the nine pillars of marketing to include in 2020. Then when I put that pin on Pinterest, it will link back to the show notes of this podcast in a transcription, as well as a little cheat sheet on what to implement for 2020. And in that cheat sheet for people to get that, they're going to enter their email address. So if you can kind of see this, this is a little bit like a funnel. And it's just another way for me to get in front of an audience that maybe doesn't find me on Instagram or Facebook or maybe even this podcast. But they might have found me on my Sorry, (laughs) they might have found me on Pinterest. So that's another opportunity to, again, get in front of your audience. Another thing I want to kind of tell you about with Pinterest is that it is, or today, it seems to have one of the friendliest algorithms out there on social media. One of the key tips that I can share with you, though, is to always make sure that you are filling in those blocks of text that you have the option of filling out uh, when you add a new pen. So making sure you fill that out and popping in some hashtags kind of where it's relevant is also key. And it's super easy to rank that way as long as you fill out that information. Okay, number seven, IGTV. What is IGTV? It's Instagram TV, if you didn't already know. So IGTV is kind of like, well, it reminds me of YouTube channels. Um, Pretty much, um, it's a way for you to do long-form video, but have snippets of that long-form video also feed to the actual Instagram feeds that your followers or your ideal customers are scrolling through. So as they're scrolling through their feed, they might see something about, you know, your um, IGTV episode and they might see just a snippet of it. And then they're going to have the option to continue watching on the IGTV platform. They click on it, they go to your channel and they can see not only that episode, but they can also see other episodes that you've recorded. The difference between IGTV and Instagram stories is the longevity of it. So if you're trying to do a longer form video or training, 
IGTV is the way to go. Versus a story, very short, sweet, to the point, and you're kind of limited on how long you can have to record that video. So IGTV definitely even ranks um, higher than just a recording a video on your actual Instagram feed. So definitely creating that um, Instagram TV channel would be most ideal, especially if you're a business and you're going to be doing this somewhat regularly, um, which I always encourage as well. So definitely check that out. Number eight, inbound marketing. Now, this could be a whole topic just in itself. But to break it down, inbound marketing is a way for like, well, let me break it down this way. Obviously, outbound marketing is reaching out to people, trying to find leads, um, pulling people, you know, by invitation into your Facebook groups or, you know, inviting them to chat with you or meet with you. Those are all outbound ways to reach new customers. Inbound is kind of the opposite. So inbound might be when somebody finds your content. So as you can see, this links back to number one of content. Um, When people stumble upon the content, no matter where it is, whether it's on Pinterest, social media, they somehow ended up on your website, um, they um, found you, you know, in conversation on another Facebook group, anything like that is all inbound. Now, where it gets super effective is when they go to your website and say, um, Susie goes to your website and she clicks on a link. She's never been to your website before. And you have this, you know, amazing platform that can start to kind of see who they are. So there's lots of inbound marketing softwares out there like, um, HubSpot and, um, what's another one? I'm drawing a blank. Marketo is is another inbound marketing software. And if you Google inbound marketing softwares, you will find a ton of them. Um, I do encourage you to check those out and see kind of what the features are because they're all a little different. Um, But basically what the whole point is, is getting their information when they go to your website or they land on your landing page and they're coming in just like on their own. It's not because they've been invited necessarily. They're coming in by choice. Um, So this is also where you might want to implement a chatbot for your website to get their email and get them into your funnel or suggest that, hey, like we have this freebie over here. You might want to go grab it um, type of thing. Um, And just really starting to nurture that person that's coming in to your business just organically. Um, So it's that inbound marketing ability to also track them as to, and I don't mean that in a creepy way. I mean that in a very like journey driven kind of way. So with a lot of different inbound marketing softwares, you're able to even track like what kind of, you know, what what pages are they clicking on? What are they interested in? Um, it can trigger down to what emails they're going to get, what sequence they're going to go in. And this can get a little overwhelming. So I don't want to overwhelm you, but I definitely do want to encourage you to check it out just because people more and more are not wanting to be sold to. They're They're wanting to choose to be like, to take action. They're they're so marketed to 24-7, especially women. Um, we're just so kind of, you know, we're, we're the absolute target market. They're going to buy. They're going to spend money. They're going to take action. So it's a matter of letting them kind of 
pull in the reins and make those actions and decide on those things on their own, but on the back end, you're able to still nurture them based on like what they're clicking on and what they're listening to or where they even came from. So this can get a little crazy. And again, I could definitely turn this into a whole nother training, but every niche and every industry is so different and every business is set up so differently um, that it would all kind of vary. So that's why I want to encourage you to just check out some inbound marketing softwares online, see what you can come up with. If you're not ready to make that plunge, start off with something basic, even down to the basics of being able to track what people are, you know, when they're opening your email or who's opening your email and who's clicking on those links in your marketing emails. That's, you know, kind of one format too of um, inbound marketing, especially if you've never spoken to them and maybe they've come in at some earlier point and opted into a freebie of yours. And other than that, they've just been opening your emails, but never really reaching out to you. So that could give you kind of an advantage to start to cater them to them in a different way. So just think about that and start to implement some of those ideas. Um, Number nine is data. So data, while it's not necessarily a marketing pillar, it is something that will drive your marketing. So unless you want to be married to running ads all the time, which I'm not a huge, huge fan of unless there's like a rhyme or reason and some data to back it up. You want to look at your data to know what's driving traffic, what's working, what's not working, where traffic is coming from, making sure that you're, um, you know, if you are U.S.-based and you only work with clients in the U.S., um, you want to make sure that you don't have a lot of people coming in from other countries because that could be a red flag too that you could have like some spammy links out there. So looking at the data to know kind of what's driving the most traffic will also help you know where to put your most effort into. For example, if you go to your Google Analytics, and I hope that you have Google Analytics set up so that you're tracking your website and your landing pages and all that good fun stuff, um, you can absolutely see, you know, hey, I'm posting an Instagram every day and I'm posting to Facebook every day. All right, so which one's driving the most traffic? And being able to see, like, while Instagram might get you a ton more followers, if they're not taking a heck of a lot of action beyond that, it might not be the number one platform that your ideal client's hanging out on, even if you want it to be. Or if you do want it to be and you just prefer to do Instagram over Facebook or, you know, whatever the case may be, then trying to take that up a notch so that you can start to raise those numbers and get people to take action. So that data is kind of the key to allowing you to gain some insight beyond just what you're hoping or thinking. It gives you that full kind of scope of what's going on. Now, Besides Google Analytics, there are other platforms that you can absolutely take advantage of as well. And I'm not an affiliate of any of the things that I've mentioned in this podcast, just full transparency. Um, But you can absolutely check into different types of um, data and measuring platforms that can bring in a lot more data even beyond what your Google Analytics is showing. Um, So you can absolutely check those out. 
Um, So that pretty much wraps up the nine pillars of marketing to include in 2020. All of these are up to date. These are all insights going forward into the new year. And I hope that for those of you that have not taken on um, at least, you know, half of these, it would be a great time to start to pick and pinpoint which ones you will want to implement without overwhelming yourself. If you are a solo entrepreneur and you don't have anybody helping you at this point, um, I would encourage you to find a VA or hire somebody even in-house to help you with some of this stuff. And then going forward into 2020, as you're doing more and more of these things, then your business will grow, you will have more clients, and um, that will inevitably pay for itself to have that VA to help you. So anyways, I hope you have a great rest of your day. And thank you so much for uh, sticking with me on this podcast. And I will see you next time or or you'll hear from me next time rather. Bye.